some verses a couple weeks ago in my morning. I hope y'all don't get tired of me mentioning my morning devotions. <laughs> I, but I, I read some verses in that a couple of weeks ago that, as is the case many times, it's things I've read before, but man, for some reason, they just, they jumped out at me. And, and this is going to be, uh, I think this is going to be just kind of a, a twofold kind of thing this evening. Um, in, in the sense of, uh, Lord, bless the offering in Jesus' name. Um, it's going to kind of be a twofold sense of the, the, the first part's going to be kind of a broader context application, and then the last part will be, I think, kind of more on a personal level. Um, so, um, Isaiah chapter 5, going to begin reading with verse number 1. Isaiah 5 and verse number 1. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a winepress therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And now I go to, and, and it's these next two verses that ultimately is what just really caught my attention. He says, now go to. I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste. There's a colon there, so the next part is the explanation of how are you going to lay it waste. He says, it shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they can rain, that they rain not upon it. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being in your presence again this evening, joining together. We ask, God, that you would speak to us tonight, Lord. We thank you for everything you've done and said just in this past weekend and how you've worked and ministered. But we know, God, it's an ongoing work that you're never done. You never stop working. So I pray that you would speak to us tonight, that you would give us ears to hear, hearts that would be open to receive. In the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to read these verses to you from the, from the Message Bible. It says it this way, verse number 3. Now listen to what I'm telling you, you who live in Jerusalem and Judah. What do you think is going on between me and my vineyard? Can you think of anything I could have done to my vineyard that I didn't do? When I expected good grapes... Why did I get bitter grapes? 
Well now, let me tell you what I'll do to my vineyard. I'll tear down its fence and let it go to ruin. I'll knock down the gates and let it be trampled. I'll turn it into a patch of weeds, untended, uncared for. Thistles and thorns will take over. I'll give orders to the clouds, don't rain on that vineyard ever. And then verse 7, I didn't read this in the King James, but verse 7 in the Message Bible says, Do you get it? The vineyard of God, the vineyard of God of the angel armies is the country of Israel. All the men and women of Judah are the garden he was so proud of. He looked for a crop of justice and saw them murdering each other. He looked for a harvest of righteousness and heard only the moans of victims. I I remind you that with any passage of Scripture, there is is a primary message uh, purpose to it, but then there are other applications that we can can make to it. And so uh, he he says here, and and again in the the Message Bible says, verse 7, it, it gives us the explanation that that the the uh, the vineyard is the is the country of Israel, and the men and the women are the garden who was who who he was proud of, and so we know that in 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 uh, typology Israel is representative of the church. So I think we can say tonight in that context and applying this to us that 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 the vineyard is the church. And, and, and the things in that garden is, is you and I. So that, that's, the, that's the broad context that we're going we're gonna to unpack for a few minutes. <laughs> I said that to someone a couple of days ago. I said the young people say unpack. And they said, well, I've never heard that, so they must not be young. So, um, but here we go. I want you to notice a couple of just. I just want to. I want. I want you to notice a couple of things here that are stated. Uh, verse two, I believe it was that that he says about this vineyard, what he's going to do, what he's going to put in it. He he, he says he's going to fence it. He's going to gather out the stones of it. He's going to plant it with the choicest vines. There's going to be a tower in the midst of it, and there's also going to be a wine press therein. It's really those first four that I think are, are most easily to apply in a spiritual context. So he says he's going, to, he's going to fence it in. He is going to take out the stones. He is going to plant the choices vine, and actually uh, you kind of read it in the in the. English Bible, and it, it, it seems to be that its choicest is an adjective of, of vine, but if you dig into it a little bit, it's, it, this is apparently was referring to a, a specific vine, a specific kind of vine, and so he's going he's gonna to plant in it very intentionally, and then the last thing is there would, there would be a tower that's, that would be in the midst of it. That tower that's in the midst of it, according to Adam Clark, he says this, Our Savior, who has taken the general idea of one of his parables, found in Matthew 21, 33 and Mark 12 and 1, from this of Isaiah, 
has likewise inserted the circumstance of building a tower, which is generally explained by, com- by commentators as designed for the keeper of the vineyard to watch and defend the fruits. But for this purpose, it was usual to make a little temporary hut, which might serve for the short season while the fruit was ripening, and which was removed afterward. The tower, therefore, should rather mean a building of a more permanent nature and use. The farm, as we may call it, of the vineyard, containing all the offices and implements and the whole apparatus necessary for the culture of the vineyard and the making of the vine of the wine, excuse me. And then Barnes Note says, with regards to this tower, for the sake, this tower was for the sake of watching and defending it. These towers were probably placed so as to overlook the whole vineyard and were the posts and were thus posts of observation. And then Jameson Fawcett and Brown says that they were that they built a tower to watch the vineyard against the de- depredations of man or beast and for the use of the owner. So if we if we look at this vineyard and the vineyard is the church, representative of the church, and those that are planted there are the, the men and the women, the people in the church, I believe that in, in, in typology that tower could be representative of the role of, of pastoral ministry. Because he's there to give oversight, to to keep watch, to keep an eye over everything. So there's this tower, there's these fences, that are there, there's, there's the tower so that there is oversight, there is fences that are there to give protection and, and defense. And yet he says... There's some things that have happened in that vineyard that are not what was expected. I I find it interesting, this is is the word of the Lord speaking. You don't expect God to to ask questions sort of this way. Is there anything else I could have done? Is there anything else I should have done to make this to make this grow more there there's now I've, I've seen a comp- commercial a couple of times lately there's there's there are apps now of course there's an app for everything as you know but uh, there there's there's apps for plants and and you can if you've got a plant that's dying you can you can take that app and you can take a picture of the leaves and the and the area on that plant that doesn't look good and it's going to analyze it and it it's going to then give you uh, 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 some some steps to take to nurture that plant back to health. One of the examples I saw was this mixture of sugar and water and whatever else, and, and I guess it works. I don't know. What else could I have done? Can I, can I just, I guess, insert here to all of you that are involved in, in, a, in a role of ministry that has some oversight of others and caring for others and obviously a very simple example of that would be those that are deacons and lead lead an oikos but but there's plenty of other areas of ministry i think you and i and as a pastor i think we should be continuously asking the question with regards to the vineyard that we have responsibility for is there more i could do is there more i could have done 
And I don't mean is there more that I could do in the sense of just more activity. I mean is there more that I could do to make this, to, 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 to help this person grow, to, to help this person develop. I, I, was, I was dealing with a situation one time in my last 18 years of pastoring. <laughs> and, and to be honest, I was, I was, I was about to be in a, in a meeting <laughs> And, and there had been some things uh, that I had been privy to prior to that meeting that were really, they were really starting to work on my attitude about going into this meeting. <laughs> and and I, I, I'm, I'm not a very confrontational person and but every now and then I can get a little worked up and I was getting worked up and 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 the the attitude and the tone that I was about to enter the meeting with was more like the attitude of the owner of the vineyard when he showed up and saw the tree that had no fruit and he said cut it down but but then the guy that was responsible for working the vineyard he comes along to the owner and says, hold on, give me, give me one more chance, give me a little more time, let me, let, me, let me do some things to see. That should be yours and my attitude and my response with regards to those that God has put within our care. Is there anything else I can do? Is, is there anything else I can try? And that was, the, that was the question that was asked by the owner of the, of the vineyard. What, what else could I... The, the, there's some things that are happening that are not what I wanted, not what I expected. Could I have done something more? Could I have done something differently? I want you to... And I, I want to kind of lay a little, I guess, a little more groundwork here for kind of... The, the thing that really jumped out at me in, in these verses a couple of weeks ago. We go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The, the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden. And he gave him instruction to dress it and to keep it. This is, in essence, man's first assignment. I mean, in chapter 1, I think it is, he tells... He tells them to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, but that's, I think that's a little different than this, this job. <laughs> so he, he puts them in the garden and he gives Adam this instruction, Adam, I want you to dress it and to keep it. Barnes Node says this, to dress it and to keep it, the, the plants of nature left to their own course may degenerate and become wild through the poverty of the soil on which they alight or the gradual exhaustion of a, of a, of a once rich soil. The hand of rational man, therefore, has its appropriate sphere in preparing and enriching the soil and in distributing the seeds and training the shoots in the way most favorable for the full development of the plant and especially of its seed. Or fruits. This dressing was needed even in the garden. It's interesting because at this point, God has not yet cursed anything. So even before the curse, 
there was still some work that had to be done to take care of the garden. The garden didn't take care of itself. The keeping of it may refer to the guarding of it by enclosure from the depredations of the cattle, the wild beasts, or even the small animals. It includes also the faithful preservation of it as a trust committed to man by his bounteous maker. There was now a man to till the soil. The second need of the world of plants was now supplied. Gardening was the first occupation of primeval man. So he says to Adam, I'm putting you in this garden. I've got two simple instructions. Dress it, keep it. The word dress it there basically means to care for, take care of, nurture it, weed it, fertilize it. Run down to Home Depot and get some fertilizer for the Garden of Eden. And then the second thing was keep it, which basically means guard it, protect it. Nurture it, care for it, protect it. So we, we see those things represented in the verses that we just read in Isaiah. We see the dressing and the keeping Represented, We see the dressing of the vineyard represented by the, the owner of the vineyard saying, What more could I have done? What else could I have done to, to, to get what I was hoping to get? We see the keeping of it by the, the, the walls of protection that were put around it to do the very thing that we just read from Barnes Notes, to keep out the predators, to to keep out those things that would come in and destroy it. So, so in essence, we find as, as, as the, the, the vineyard keeper of vineyard keepers <laughs> has, has demonstrated in those first few verses of Isaiah doing those two things. However, He recognizes that in spite of what I've done, in this vineyard are wild grapes that are growing. In this vineyard are things that are growing that were not supposed to be there. He's he's disturbed by the condition of the vineyard. And he decides that Basically, he's done with it. It's not producing what he was looking for. It's not going the way he was expected, expecting it to go. So therefore, he is finished with it. In essence, he's going to enact judgment on it. So what does he, what does he do? Go back to verse 4 again. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. 
So there, there's, the, there's the questions, there's the, there's the struggle with what's there, what's going on. And now go to. I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. Here is how I'm going to deal with the problem. Here's how I'm going to, to bring judgment. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it will be eaten up, and I will break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste, and it shall not be pruned nor dig, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain not upon it. In essence, what he says, here's how I'm going to deal with my vineyard. I'm not going to dress it, and I'm not going to keep it. The way he decided to deal with the issue of this vineyard was not, go get the dynamite, and we're going to blow this thing up. In, in fact... The way he chose to deal with it was, was, was not necessarily, in, in one sense it was, but, but, but in one sense it was not necessarily a proactive thing. If, 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 if we're going if if to move a chair, there, there is intentional action that's got to be done. There, there's... There's, there's, there's movement that's got to take place. There's effort that has to be put forth. But he says, I, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge this vineyard, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm just not going to dress it, and I'm not going to keep it. And by simply choosing to take down the walls of protection, and not continue to nurture it, that's all it took. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna remove the walls. Notice here there was there was actually two, at least in this particular instance, this vineyard had two barriers. It had a wall. For my study, it would appear to be that the wall was the inward barrier. And then outside of that, it had briars. It had a, a, another wall, in, in essence, that was a wall of thorns. Two walls. Two barriers that had to be penetrated before some kind of creature could get to the vineyard. <laughs> Try not to judge by what I see, as I would be dismissing and going home. <laughs> but we're in it, so we might as well finish it. <laughs> two, two barriers. And he says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm unhappy with it. So in essence, I'm just going to remove the barriers and I'm going to stop caring for it. And that's all that's needed for it to be destroyed. 
Is it any wonder? Here, let me see if I can give some application to this in the broad context. Is it any wonder that the enemy has worked so hard to get us to tear down the walls that protect us? The, the hedges that were built to protect the vineyard, the church. The enemy knows if I can just get you to get rid of the walls, the vineyard's going to be destroyed. I'm I'm up in that tower for a few moments here. (laughs) That tower in the middle of the vineyard. You better be careful what you're listening to. And I'm not, when I say this next one, I'm not talking about entertainment stuff. I'm talking about teaching, preaching. You better be careful what you're listening to, what you're watching, what you're reading. Because if you don't have a proper biblical foundation to rightly divide the word. It's not just it's not just the devil that's trying that that's working. It's not just from the world. It, it's, it's now to the point that from the pulpit we are being told we, we don't need those walls. We don't need those barriers. We don't need to protect the vineyard. What an absolute trick of the enemy when he can get that being said from the pulpit. And there's things in the world they say we're not even going to think twice about it. If I can just get you to let down the walls. Remove the protections. Well, pastor, do you think it's really necessary for us to do that or not do this, to live this way? Or do you think that's really necessary? I mean, if you don't care about whether or not your vineyard's protected, sure. If you're interested or willing for any old creature to get in and out of your vineyard and destroy your vineyard, then absolutely, we don't need those things. Let's go ahead and stop keeping it, guarding it. But rest assured, when there's no longer walls of protection, it is inevitable that it's going to be destroyed. He, he, he knew, I, I don't know if this is getting, this is another one of those times where I come into the service band thinking I got something in it, and then there seems to be a disconnect between here and here. So, Again, he, he didn't say, and I know there weren't any of these in the time Bible time, but you understand my point. He didn't say, go get the bulldozers and bring them in. We're going to destroy this vineyard. Maybe, maybe I could say it this way, or what, what I think I was trying to say a few moments ago. It, it, the destruction of the vineyard was more of a passive thing than it was an active thing. 
We're just going to, we just, all we got to do is just let down the, the walls of protection. Just, just stop working on it. We're just going to, we're not going to prune it anymore. We're, we're not going to dig anymore. We're, we're, we're just going to. going to just all we got to do is just let it go it's all we need to do just just let it go i've uh, i've included just for in case anybody wants to maybe get them and read them later this just a little bit about some of this wild grape stuff but that's not really the the, the focus here so according to keel deach commentary says this now then, I will tell you what I will do at once to my vineyard. Take away its hedge, and it shall be for grazing. Pull down its wall, and it shall be for treading down. He would take away the masuka, that's the Hebrew word there for the hedge, the green thorny hedge with which the vineyard was enclosed, and would pull down the garid, the low stone wall, which had been surrounded by the hedge of thorn bushes to make a better defense, as well as for the protection of the wall itself, more especially against being undermined, so that the vineyard would be given up to grazing and treading down. It would become an open way and gathering place for man and beast. Notice, Notice the owner of the vineyard, it wasn't enough to just have a wall. In, a, in an effort to protect and preserve the vineyard, it wasn't just the wall, but it was also a hedge of thorns. I wonder, I'm not prepared to make a declaration on this. In fact, I think it was on my drive to church this evening when this thought occurred to me. I, I wonder, Brother Middleton, I wonder if you could apply the context of the wall and the hedge to the context of doctrine and convictions. A doctrine, in essence, a doctrine is a, is a very clearly divine biblical principle, truth. A conviction is, is often more something you establish based on biblical principles. So in essence, to me, that wall could represent doctrine because it's 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 set, it's stable. It's not an organic thing. It's not a growing, developing thing. That hedge was was more of a living, growing thing. Hence, there are things that (laughs) if you're if the way you're going to determine whether or not some things are a sin is by whether or not the Bible spells it out. It's not going to be there. There is absolutely nothing you're going to find in the Bible that says, Thou shalt not drink beer. It's not there. But I believe there are principles that very clearly communicate you shouldn't do that. Or sip a little wine either, just as well. So there are these there are these set rigid things, things, but but that's not enough to protect and preserve. We 
we, 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 need, we want another layer of protection. That's why there's some things that God may be dealing with you, and I'm kind of mixing the broad and the, the more narrow here, so you'll just hopefully you'll stay with me. That's why there's some things, if you're not careful, God may be trying to get you to develop a conviction over that nobody else even has a conviction over. There's a couple of challenges with that. One of the challenges is, wait a minute, God, why are you asking this of me when they don't have to do that? Why are you wanting me to not do this when others can do it? Then the other problem is, if God's dealing with you and you develop a conviction that nobody else has, you've got to be careful that you don't become a Pharisee. Well, I don't do that, but they do. You see, God may recognize, okay, here's the wall. Here's the set, established wall. It applies to everybody. But here's some things that based on your tendencies, your weaknesses, that you need some more protection to guard those things from getting in your vineyard. And if you base it best on what everybody else is or is not doing, you may not put up that layer of protection that you need. It's kind of like what Hebrews talks about. Hebrews 12, lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin. A weight and a sin are not synonymous. If they were, it would have just said one of them, not both of them. I also think it's extremely interesting the order of those two things in that verse. Because it would seem to me that the order, whatever you mention first, seems to kind of be the more important thing. And what is the first thing that's mentioned in that verse? Not sin, wait. Hmm. I wonder if the reason that's the case is that because for the, 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 the dedicated child of God, the person that's pursuing God and, 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 and trying to become more and more like Jesus, I wonder if that's the order because it is presumed that, that sin, that shouldn't even really be your problem. The bigger problem for you is the weights. And then the big problem with the weights is what's a weight? Again, in the context of doctrine and conviction, sin and weights, sin is clearly defined. Sin is, I don't care who you are, I don't care what gender you are, I don't care what nationality you are, sin is sin. But that's not the case with a weight. There are things for you, 
that are weights, that they are not weights for others. And vice versa. There's things that for other people, boy, they are weights, big weights, that you, you don't even think twice about them. And yet he says, lay aside the weight and the sin. He says, I, all, all that needs to happen, I wonder if that's part of the reason why the enemy has worked so hard. Let me jump back to the broad context. I wonder if that's why he's worked so hard to get preachers and pastors to stand up in pulpits and say, you know, we, we don't need all of these borders protecting us. We're okay. Because the enemy knows if I can just get you, Just take down the walls. It's all over. He said, if I, if, I, if I take down those walls, if I take down those barriers, it's going to be waste. And, and, and by default, briars and thorns are going to come up. You know what? Here's one reason why I don't understand anybody could ever believe in the theory of evolution. The second law of thermodynamics, also known as entropy, says that that left to themselves, things tend to degenerate. Clothing wears out. Houses fall into disrepair. Plants and animals decay and a virus spreads around the world. It takes effort and energy to combat entropy and keep systems from falling apart. The enemy knows if I can just get you to let down the walls and do nothing... I don't have to drop nuclear bombs. I don't have to bring in the head. I just need you to let down your guard. I need you to stop guarding and keeping. I need you to stop dressing and keeping, guarding and protecting, nurturing. That's why you can't let a day go by where you put your walk with God on the shelf and just let it be for the day. Because your walk with God tends to entropy. Left alone, it goes down, not up. Left alone, it it disintegrates. It doesn't get healthier and stronger. How frustrating is this concept in every aspect of life? we We are blessed... You can't drive down the road without seeing this this principle lived out. We get get an email every year in our neighborhood. Just a reminder, it's that time of year. Go around and, and, and pull the ivy off the trees. And if there's ivy that's already grown and it's already... It, it's already entwining itself so much that when you start to pull it off, it, it pulls the bark off. Then, then just go down to the bottom and just cut a section out of it so you kill it. Why? Because if you don't do that, what happens? Thorns and thistles. 
You can't be passive in your walk with God. You, you can't, here I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead, even though I've already been touching on it, jumping ahead in the sense of where we'll kind of end here in a little bit. But you, you, you can also, I think, apply this, that, that you individually are a vineyard. And in the context of you as a vineyard, that tower that's in the middle of the garden is God. The Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, that's what's in the center of your life that's keeping watch over everything that's going on, trying to protect you and preserve you and making sure that stuff's not getting in and making sure the walls are there to keep things out. You can't be passive in your walk with God. You don't grow and mature by doing nothing. There is something that happens by doing nothing, but it's not growing and maturing. We drives me nuts, but we live it physically. Why couldn't it have? Why? I mean, God's God; He could have done anything. Why couldn't He have designed it that 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 if we sit around and do nothing, we just we actually somehow just happen to get in better shape? We don't exercise, we don't eat right, but boy, we just, we just tend toward health. It's a principle we see everywhere in our lives. Leave it alone, don't be proactive, don't be intentional, and watch what happens. We were away last week in uh, Ocean City, Air. We were actually up in Fenwick Island area, and so going and coming, the GPS led us 404. You get on 404 off of 50 heading in the Ocean City direction. I don't know if that's considered, what's that considered, going north on 404? Anybody know? Whatever. Just a few miles as you get on 404 heading the Ocean City direction on the right-hand side is what used to be a golf course. It looks as though now that what was the clubhouse for the golf course has been turned into a house. Nobody went in there, whatever point that happened, that it was no longer going to be kept up as a golf. Nobody went in there with heavy equipment and bulldozed through that golf course and dug everything up and you know all they did? They just left it alone. You know what's kind of sad is if you've never, and we, we played it once or twice, this was years ago. If you've never played it, you drive by there and you probably would have no idea that that once was a golf course. It's kind of a big house, and they've got some fancy street lights that are not quite the norm, but I've seen some strange things at houses before. So you, you wouldn't, the average person would probably, in fact, I mentioned it to my wife on, I think, the drive back, and at least from what I interpreted from her, she didn't really realize that was the case. But here's, here's what's sad. Driving by there, I can see some of the 
semblance of what was the course. I can recognize, because I played it once or twice, I can recognize what was some of the fairway, what would have been a bunker. That if you don't know it, it's no longer recognizable. Why? Again, not because somebody went in there and intentionally decided, let's, let's tear this thing up. It's not going to be a golf course anymore. Let's just, let's just, no, let's just do nothing. Let's just take down the protection, take down the walls, take down the perimeter that protects it, and just do nothing, and in time, it will be destroyed. The stuff, the stuff that used to be completely unacceptable in the church that's becoming more and more acceptable basically because somebody's decided, you know what, let's just take down the hedge. Let's take down the wall. And that's all we got to do. How am I, what am I going to do to this vineyard? How am I going to dis destroy it? Listen to, listen to what a couple of places in Isaiah say. Isaiah 26 and 1 says, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint, what? Four walls and bull, bulwarks. <laughs> Salvation will God appoint. The Living Bible, listen to them singing. In that day, the whole land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by walls. No, not just that we're surrounded by walls. We're surrounded by the walls of, sal of His salvation. Isaiah 60 and 18, Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders, but thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. Jameson Fawcett and Brown says, Not only shall thy walls keep thee safe from foes, but salvation shall serve as the walls. I think we've had this mindset that the walls are there to protect the salvation that's in the walls. We need walls to protect the salvation, but, but the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah was, the walls are salvation. The walls aren't protecting salvation, the walls are salvation because the walls are what's preserving and protecting you. Somehow we've got to we got to make sure we don't buy into this mindset that these walls of salvation are 
imprisoning us. That that hedge and that wall around that vineyard was not to make the vineyard a prisoner. It was to protect what was in the vineyard. I'm trying to... I'm, I'm trying, Brother Middleton and I were chatting about this for a few minutes yesterday morning. I'm, we, we hosted, uh, there, there's now three different prayer groups that are going on amongst some pastors in the county. Uh, there, there's the one in Annapolis, which was the, the Annapolis area, one which I first started being a part of. There's one that takes place in West County now, and then most recently they've started one for, for North County, and so on Tuesday afternoons is the North County prayer meeting, and uh, we we hosted it on this uh, past Tuesday afternoon, and then the Wednesday morning one, I'm still participating in that one, and 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 I'm I'm trying by the help of the Lord to navigate all of this with with wisdom. I believe with all of my heart I'm, I'm supposed to be involved and continue to be involved. And in fact, um, again, I've said this before in case you haven't heard it, the way these prayer meetings, it was kind of funny. Brother Josh Lewis stepped in for the last half or so of it, so he got to experience this. But, but um, you know, again, we have a prayer meeting. When it's time to pray, we, 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 we go in. We all go in. And, and when they say, okay, now let's pray, it goes totally silent until somebody decides they're going to be the one that says the first part of prayer and pray for a few moments and then they stop and there's a few moments of silence until the next guy jumps in and, and, and they. And so as we were doing that on, on um, uh, Tuesday, one of, the, one of the guys, as a part of his prayer, basically said, Lord, I, I want to thank you for Antioch because... And, and their participation in the in the National Day of Prayer, and 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 that in all my years of being a part of that, I've never seen anything like it. And and the spontaneous worship that took place at the end, and 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 all of that. And and he was thanking the Lord for that, thanking the Lord for us. So, but I I, I and one of the things that are be you know get. It gets said almost every single week at the Wednesday morning group. Man, this is so amazing. We got we got pastors here from all different denominations and types of churches and 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 all this and 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 unity and oneness and and I'm <laughs> not oneness in the sense of the Godhead because I've experienced this before. We're, we're we're unique, folks. I know you didn't know that, but we're unique. We're unique in a number of ways. One of those ways we're unique is the fact we, we, we believe it really matters what you do to go about being saved. I've, 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 I've engaged now with a number of, of, of clergy that it's like you, the feeling you get is you, you got your path to get there and you got your path to get there and you got and we're all going to the same place so I hope they're right and I'm wrong. Very honestly, I hope they're right and I'm wrong. You may not feel that way, but I've... So, trying to, to, to navigate this with... 
there's, there's, some, there's some walls that we've got around our vineyard that they don't, they don't have around their vineyard. That doesn't make us better than anybody else. But, but here's the thing, I've watched it time and time again. The reason the enemy harps on things as being so small and irrelevant that make up the walls is because he knows how important those things are. He wants you to think that some of those things that are a part of the wall are unimportant because he knows how important they are, but if he can convince you they're not important and get you to take down that wall, he knows he's now got access to the vineyard. These walls are not our prison walls. They're our walls of protection. They're what keeps the predators out. It's not about what's keeping us in. I've used it. I won't go through the whole spiel as I've done in the past, but... When, when our kids were all really young, we were living off of College Parkway. Our backyard was fenced in. The neighbors had a, a border collie, or what it's called, or something, Sheltie or something. Pretty active dog, not necessarily a bad dog, but an active dog. And at that point, none of our kids had really been around dogs. And there was no fence in the front yard, so if they're in the front yard, sort of constantly looking over your shoulder as the dog getting let out because the neighbors didn't always keep it on the leash when it went out. The bottom line was if they were in the backyard inside the fence and the gate was closed, there was no worrying about the dog. I know we were such terrible parents because we had our kids imprisoned in the backyard inside the fence. I got a question. Why is it we can look at that and realize that's ridiculous? That's a that's being a good parent. But for for me to stand up here as your pastor and say, here's some walls we need. Well, you're just being legalistic. Or that's just tradition. No, it's salvation. Again, the walls aren't protecting salvation. The walls the walls are salvation. Because the problem is when you open the door and let the enemy in, you don't dictate where he goes and where he doesn't go. I don't. I'm not. I'm not fishing right now. I'm. I'm, I'm not fishing because and I because I don't like compliments when you fish for them. They don't mean anything. So I'm not. I don't, I don't feel like this is getting across nearly the way it impacted me a couple of weeks ago. The, 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 the soberness that if, if we just let down the walls, if we just open access, that's all that's needed for some very precious, valuable things to eventually be destroyed. Let's bring it down to a personal level as we hit the runway here. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Keep your heart with all diligence, 
for out of it are the issues of life. Living Bible, above all else, guard your affections, for they influence everything else in your life. Message Bible says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. According to Thayer's Greek lexicon, the word heart is the inner man. It's the mind, the will, the understanding. It's the soul. It's the, the, the thinking, the reflection, the memory. It's, it's, uh, it's the... The determination, it's the conscience, it's the seat of appetites, it's the seat of emotions, it's, it's the seat of courage. So in essence, your heart, that, that's, that's who you are. And I, I think based on my understanding and study, you can, you can kind of use heart and mind interchangeably. Because again, mind is not brain. That's not what the Bible's talking about when it's talking about mind. It's not talking about your brain. It's talking about this, this seat of emotions, appetites, desires. And so, so, so the wise man says, guard, put a protection up around your heart, your vineyard. Because whatever's in that is going to determine the direction, the course. Guard. Protect. Be mindful of what's what's allowed to get into your heart. It's interesting going back to the, the, the Isaiah. He says uh, he 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 sowed. He planted in that vineyard the choicest vines. And isn't it isn't it amazing that in spite of the fact. The, 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 the owner of the vineyard planted the choicest vines, wild grapes, still, still managed to get in. If you think you and I are free from things getting in our hearts and our spirits that shouldn't be there just because we got the Holy Ghost and we've been baptized in Jesus' name, you are greatly mistaken. You've got to dress it. Dressing it includes the, the weeding and, the, and, the, and the, the pulling out of things that don't belong. The, the making sure that weeds are not taking over. I, I know I've harped on it in the past, but why in the world can it be that the grass that I want to grow is what's taking over the dirt? Instead of crabgrass or moss or... Guard it, protect it, because out of it are the issues of life. The Passion Translation says it like this, So above all, guard the affections of your heart. The footnote there for heart says this, The Hebrew word lavav is the most common word for heart. It includes our thoughts, our wills, our discernment, and our affections, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. The footnote for, for, well, or for that last part there is this. Although most translations, and the King James is one, says the issues of life, the Hebrew word, yasa is actually seasons. 
especially springtime. Out of your heart flow the seasons of life. It is our hearts, not our ages or circumstances that shape the seasons of our lives. It is our hearts, not our circumstances that shape the seasons of our lives. Now, if you've got the Passion Translation, you'll see that I didn't type out all of that footnote there because the rest of that footnote says that you can reach a point of living in perpetual springtime, and I think that's a violation of the principles of nature. There's no such thing as ever living in a perpetual season. The changing of seasons in your life is not punishment from God. It's a part of the cycle you need to go through. So I don't think you ever reach the point where you live in this perpetual springtime. But the point being, and the point that I personally think is very much accurate is that what's going on in my life it's not just about the circumstances and the problems and whatever externally that that the the affections that i have and what's in my heart what i am allowing in what i'm listening to what i'm watching what i'm reading That's, that's the way, that's the three ways stuff gets in your heart. The two <laughs> entries is your eyes and your ears. Isn't it amazing how much the enemy gets us arguing and debating over what's, what's okay and what's not okay to listen to, to watch? Is it any wonder the enemy wants you to think that listening to worldly music is no big deal? Is it any wonder... Is it any wonder? Because he knows when you're fellowshipping with that, you've got wild grapes getting planted in your vineyard. I I heard, I forget who it was, it was a message or something I was listening to. Actually, it may have been Brother Shelton, I think, I overheard telling this, maybe on one of the sessions he does on Tuesday nights, about a preacher who was... Just he listened to some worldly music, not necessarily anything bad, but and, and and you know, and then one day the Lord the Lord started asking him some questions. I forget the exact questions, but but uh, one of one of them was you know who 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 wrote that song? And he named the he named the uh, the, uh, the the singer. And he, he he says, who do you think he was writing that song about? And the singer was gay. Well, but I don't. I'm not thinking of it about someone same sex. I'm thinking, yeah, just just go ahead, let those seeds. You you know why? Oh my goodness. You know why some of you in this room are struggling right now with whether or not you believe homosexuality and lesbianism is sin. I, I just said it, and I'm going to say it again. Do you know why some of you in this room are struggling right now with whether or not that's really sin? Because of the seeds you're letting get thrown in your vineyard. You can't hardly turn on a TV show nowadays without a main character. It being clearly communicated 
that they are a homosexual or a lesbian. And some of you used to, when that came on, automatically turned it off, but you don't anymore, and you now justify it. You know what you did? You took a hedge down. You took a wall down. And the enemy knows, just give it enough time without the protection of your vineyard, and it's going to be nothing but thorns and thistles. What am I going to do about my vineyard? It's not what I was... Just going to take away the protection. Just going to remove the guards. Let it go. The psalmist prayed, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. I don't think that's something he prayed one time. I don't think that's something you and I ought to pray one time. God, if there's any wild grapes that are starting to grow in my vineyard, I don't want you doing to me like you did to that vineyard and just decide I'm done with it. Let's remove the protection. Let's just let it go. No, God, I want there to be some... Some, some gardening that's done. I want there to be some things that are taken out. I, I, I want those walls to be reinforced. I don't want those walls to be taken down. I want those walls to be reinforced. I, I want that protection to be reinforced so that what you are planting and sowing in me can be what you are expecting it to be. I've watched a number of times now as men of God, who at one point believe what we believe, doctrine, plan of salvation, Godhead, separation, outward separation, etc. That decided, I'm going to take, take down that wall of separation. It's not really necessary. This stuff about the way we dress and all, that's not really necessary. I'm going to take that now, but, but I still believe. There's only one God, and I still believe that baptism in Jesus' name is, is necessary, and, and, and the evidence of that is speaking. I still believe, and I will always believe those. And there are, there are guys that used to be fairly good friends of myself that I've watched as they started with that outside fence, that hedge. I'm not going to take down the wall. I'm just going to, we don't need the hedge. It was only a matter of time before they started taking down the wall. And now they don't believe anymore that, that it's necessary to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And, 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 and some of them have told others that I know when they've gone there to preach that, listen, we, we don't speak in tongues in, in, in here on Sunday mornings because we, do, we just don't do that. When they first started with that hedge, they would have told you, no, I'll never. The enemy knows if I can, just to get, if I can get you to stop guarding and keeping. It's only a matter of time and I, I've got you. Father, I pray.
somehow what I believe you've given me has been communicated in a way according to what you've desired, but somehow it's been done in a way that you've desired. So Lord, I pray, I pray in, in two ways, first of all, for us as a as a church, as a congregation, as a vineyard. Lord, that you wouldn't do with us like you did with that vineyard and just say, I'm just going to take down the walls and I'm just going to let it go because in time that's all that's needed for it to be destroyed, overrun. Lord, whatever the wild grapes that might get amongst us, we pray that you wouldn't wouldn't give up on us, that you would weed those things out and continue doing what is necessary for us to be the, the vineyard that you in, envisioned us to be. And I pray for us, Lord, individually, God, our hearts as, as vineyards, Lord, the protections that you have established to to guard and keep and preserve, that we would work to maintain those things. Lord, rather than in our own lives individually trying to eliminate some of those hedges and walls of protection, that we would seek to reinforce them, to shore them up so that we know that, that our heart is being guarded so that what comes out of us is going to be the things that lead to life, lead to the fulfillment of your your promises, your vision for us, your word, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by your grace, help us tonight, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you this weekend. In Jesus' name.